0: Thanks for joining us for Season 3 of the Hospitality Hangout, a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders of Branded Strategic share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the Finance Guy, and I'd like to introduce my friend, my partner, my brother from another mother, Michael Schatzberg, also known as the Restaurant Guy. Hey, thanks for that kind introduction, Jimmy. Until I was late. Hey, your, your mom made me your mom made me do it. She asked me did to be nice do it.
1: Did you just interrupt my introduction? I made it better. You did. Well, anyway, everybody out there, you can call me Shatsy together. Uh, Jimmy and I are the uh, personalities behind branded strategic hospitality. We work at the intersection between hospitality, technology, innovation, and capital. Uh, Jimmy, before we get started, I'd like to uh, do a shameless plug. Do you know anything about the branded
0: hospitality marketplace, Jimmy? You know, I've been having a very easy time playing stupid on the last few podcasts and pretending I know nothing about it. It fits me. Uh, but but please, educate our audience, uh, re-educate our listeners.
1: For everybody listening out there, if you're having a hard time finding solutions, suppliers, sellers in the hospitality space, check out thebrandedmarketplace.com, or you can email us at themarketplaceatbrandestrategic.com. You can get information on how to be on the marketplace, how to find the marketplace, it is a one-stop shop for all solutions, technology, suppliers, sellers, anybody in the hospitality ecosystem, and you want a place to go and find out everything going on and all the best in class solutions, just check out thebrandedmarketplace.com, and it is there for you. Jimmy, what'd you think?
0: I thought that was great, and that shameless plug was sponsored by Chico's Bail Bonds. Yeah. Uh, when you, when you,
1: <laughs> when you need a bail bond, call Chico.
0: And by the way, for for anyone who can get the reference of Chico's Bail Bonds, please. Bad news uh, bears. Not, well, come on, right, Jimmy. Not, not, not much of a trivia question if you give away the answer that quickly, Shanti. But okay, enough oh, of sorry that. sorry about that. Let, no. It's all free good.
1: bowl of soup for anybody. He
0: calls in right now. Uh, where did that line come from? Okay. All right, let's get into the podcast before our guest today regrets further of, of why she uh, why she agreed to do this. Now, we are really excited for today's episode. Our guest today is Kelly McPherson, Chief Technology Officer at Union's Hospitality Group. Uh, she's a very good friend of of the entire branded team, but certainly Shatz and myself and one of the great industry leaders. So Kelly, welcome to the podcast. We're going to let you take the lead. Please give us a little background uh, on yourself and your role at, uh, at Union's Hospitality Group.
2: Yeah, awesome. So appreciate you guys letting me hang out with you guys today. Look forward to the conversation. Uh, Kelly McPherson, presently the Chief Technology Officer for Union Square Hospitality Group. I also sit on the advisory board for a few tech startups including our good friends over at Ovation and Open City and, you know, just really look forward to hanging out with you guys today.
0: That is awesome. Yeah,
1: thanks for that. And we love Ovation. We love Open City. So let me ask you, Kelly, how does one become the Chief Technology Officer? of one of the most prominent restaurant and hospitality groups, certainly in New York, maybe in the country, and if not, I dare say the world. But can you tell us a little bit more because you didn't just get that position yesterday, though you've been there. Give me a little background on how'd you start and how'd you get this position and and what led up to it? Because it's a really interesting uh, story.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, maybe if I take a step back and go through my my very long in a very, you know, condensed way, because we could talk for hours about my journey to to get to where we're at today. But I think some of the background is important, right? Um, First and foremost, Mm -hmm. uh, I started in operations. Uh, You know, family owned business was in my blood. So I've been around restaurants and hospitality my entire life. Uh, You know, looking back, you know, post-college, I had a brief stop at Applebee's. Hardest job in the world. Went on to plan on Hollywood. Uh, yes.
1: Now, wait a minute. You were you were a sir. you What was your position at Applebee's?
2: Uh, floor manager. Hardest job in the world. I rocked the polyester button-up shirt uh, and probably spent more time on the line cooking uh, than I did, you know, anything else. But you know, it was a probably you know learned the most about restaurants in that environment. But a cool experience for sure. And, you know, Planet Hollywood came to town and that was the hype, you know, I think we all saw it on TV and Bruce and, you know, Arnold and Sylvester Stallone and everybody on stage. And I'm like, that's where I want to go. I want to work there and applied uh, to an ad in a newspaper of all things. So dating myself again and got the job, trained in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and open up the restaurant and you know with any openings you know we all get assigned kind of here's your here's your task for the opening and mine was the point of sale had no idea what it was barely could spell it at the time um, but apparently I had a, apparently I had a nap for it so six weeks later I was on the road opening what, up wait
1: what point of sale were you using back then had to be micros
2: it was micros, micros. Um, and it was micros 1700s in the retail store. So it was hex code programming <laughs> and 2700s in the restaurant. Uh, and we we're just getting making the shift to 8700s and that's the one I trained on and started mm-hmm. opening um, after six weeks. I had no idea, no idea what technology was um, but really figured it out, right? And many many late nights, many issues. Uh, I remember one of one of my first openings. Uh, somebody would bring in an order and the kitchen printers would fail. And I'm like, wow, that's interesting. Uh, and that's how I got exposed to networking. So, you know, it's uh, I think going through a little bit about that pain helps you kind of grow to where you're at. Um, spent five years there, then got the opportunity to go to Hard Rock, led technology there for almost nine years. Um, but kind of fast forwarding. But
1: wait a minute, uh, wait a minute. Before, it, did you meet anyone special at the Hard Rock?
2: Uh my current husband.
1: Uh, um, oh, I well, that's, a, that's, I to, I what, that's I the what? most important part of the <laughs> story. Hello, I mean, just skip right over that. That was the most important yeah. part of the whole story.
2: <laughs> I think if I didn't say that, hope he doesn't listen I to mean, this. Be in trouble, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, Planet Hollywood is amazing. Uh, I remember uh, having to find a sharpie for Charlie Sheen and many other <laughs> stories. But I think we could have a whole podcast on my my Planet Hollywood days.
0: Boy, if I told you stories about my time with Charlie Sheen, Bruce, and Arnold, um, they would all be untruths, and they'd all be lies. (laughs) I shouldn't tell them. I I won't tell them.
2: (laughs) Uh, So great. You know, loved Hard Rock. Uh, You know, a lot of great people. Yes, met met my husband there. Uh, But, you know, left and wanted to grow. Nine years there. uh, Wanted to get some experience and kind of made the shift over to retail uh, and went to another great brand, Abercrombie & Fitch. To really lead store transformation and international expansion. Um,
1: I, I was a uh, I was a greeter at Abercrombie with my shirt off, if you remember. With the One shirt of the off for you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was a greeter. Yeah.
2: Jimmy, you. That's the kind did of they ha- uh, did they, did they hire you, Jimmy?
1: Well, no, Jimmy, Jimmy didn't get the job. We both applied together, but Jimmy didn't get. The job. <laughs> I, I
0: didn't. I didn't get that job. I, uh, he was in the storage area. I was the yes. front line. <laughs> of shirt more off of a more of a stock boy type of guy. That,
2: got it. Got it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, great experience. Uh, I had to learn how to ride a scooter for the first time of my life. Uh, that's how you got from building to building and you know, fit in Abercrombie abs classes during the middle of the day. But, um, you know, great, great experience there as well. Uh, but to be honest, I miss restaurants. Uh, I think once it gets in your blood, you, you just miss it and got the opportunity to go back to Miami uh, and work for become the CIO of Burger King. Um, which is, you know, backed by Three G Capital. It was about a year after the acquisition, and and spent almost eight years there. And so I'm almost to where we're. Where, yeah, I think your original question was. Uh, How'd you get is, here? <laughs> yeah, at the at the end of nineteen, I decided to retire and took some time off, and I apparently sucked at it uh, because not long after that, I was. Uh, Deciding to kind of on what's next, and and I think sitting around COVID and and quarantined, and just wanted to get back in the game. And to be honest, I I think the story's you know crazy because I loved the time at Planet Hollywood, answered the newspaper, and for the first time in my career, I went on Indeed and started to look at open positions and came across uh, open position for Union Square Hospitality Group. Um, it obviously. You know the admiration and respect I had for Danny and the organization over the years. Huge fan of Gramercy Tavern, um, and, and some of the rest. You know his other concepts here in, and brands here in New York, and applied.
1: I love that your first gig was out of the newspaper at Planet Hollywood, and your latest gig was well, it wasn't a newspaper, but now it's the digital version. Indeed.
2: Exactly, <laughs> and and so that whole it. long story to get to that that point I wanted to make. But you know, more importantly, like I'm so blessed and inspired every day. I mean, like you said. Uh, premier organization mm-hmm. started back in June, every time, you know, the first couple of meetings and, you know, with Danny, you know, I got goosebumps, right. Because just, he's just, it's such an inspiring uh, person to be around. And it just, you know, it's just kind of, it's like that throughout the entire organization. And and so, you know, jumped at the chance to to be able to come on full time and really focused on helping lead the organization through, you know, the digital transfer transformation and figuring out how we can leverage tech to, you know, really enable the core foundation of Enlightened Hospitality.
1: Yeah, it's it's an incredible story. And that's why I didn't want to leave that journey out. Uh, I think the most important one is that you met your husband in the restaurant space. And I think we can all, uh, a lot of people in the restaurant space have stories like that. I met my wife, Jillian, she was a waitress at my first restaurant. So I think there's, uh, always a nice story behind, uh, behind the hospitality space and, uh, and love, if we may say. That's what it's all about. Yeah, it is. It is. Agreed. <laughs> Harder today to do that than it used to be. But anyway, I'm glad I got mine in before you I really can't do that. Um, <laughs> So I'm 20, 21 years later. Uh, Let's kick, let's kick things and three kids and two dogs. Let's kick things off a little about a a phrase that you uh, often speak of. That is the connected restaurant. Can you share a little bit to our listeners about what is the connected restaurant?
2: Yeah. I mean, the connected restaurant, it's a robust ecosystem that really enables, you know, not to get too kind of tech geek out on this but a seamless flow of data to all the components of the restaurant stack right and it's it's become so complex you've got labor management food costs inventory POS off-premise you know routines health and safety and there's just all these pieces of of the puzzle that kind of help enable a restaurant operation Um, and the connected restaurant is making sure that they all talk to each other and they talk the same language Mm. Um, otherwise you know everything's kind of disjointed and dysfunctioned and it's just you know draining from a manager perspective of being able to really efficiently execute and operate and so you know with today's technology how do you kind of make that kind of seamless flow of information so managers aren't in the back office managers aren't rekeying things they're doing what they do best and that's out serving the guests mm-hmm. and running great restaurants and so that's right. the idea of the connected restaurant um, and I think traditionally in our industry, things haven't always worked, things don't work that way, right? And so it's really the big shift of how do we get to that kind of North Star end state?
0: That's great. No, and thank you for that. You know, you, you shared some kind words about uh, your partner and, and the head of your head of your company, um, Mr. Danny Meyer. Um, I will also say not just as a customer, um, but my contribution to the Branded team is as the finance uh, guy. Uh, I, I ran my own financial company uh, for a decade prior to joining full force with Branded. I've been partners with Shatsy uh, for over two decades in the restaurants. But actually, I want to give some a shout out to Mr. Meyer. Um, And I hope it doesn't cost me any uh, any attribution to of of branded. But actually, it was his book, Setting the Table, that when I read it on a a trip, on a business trip, that's when you want to become a bartender, Jimmy. And that's when I wanted to become a bartender. No, that is when um, I thought it was an amazing business book. It happened to be in the business of hospitality, but I thought it was an amazing business book. And I, I read a uh, an a updated copy, which included an addendum about EHI or Enlightened Hospitality Investments, and just thought it was amazing what the company was doing. And actually, it was part of the inspiration, I, I want to say, of of Shatz and I getting together and talk about uh, the larger brand is strategic. So um, I want to make that a shout out and, and, and an appreciation for his book, and I hope it, I don't get a Call from his attorney about any monies I might owe uh, out of my interest <laughs> at Brandon. Um, but sticking with the philosophy of enlightened hospitality, um, you know, how, how has the approach of this way of teaching and mentoring staff changed with the implementation of, of, of new technology? Um, and how has your staff or the, the staff at USHG changed uh, maybe with the embracement or some of the challenges of embracing tech?
2: Yeah, absolutely, and, and I agree. It's an amazing book, right? And I think uh, over the last you know nine months, I've read it three times. But you know, I think it's it's a business book that transcends just restaurants. Um, and and I often uh, you know send it out to people who I think could use a little bit of, of guidance on on you know hospitality and and really what it means to kind of deliver that experience. Um, but you know, I, like I said, let's be honest. You know, we've made strides in tech in the restaurant industry. But you know the tech, that you know consumer tech has outpaced the other industries, right? And and I think we've mm-hmm. really underinvested as an industry, and I think the pandemic exposed this in a big way. Um, so we were, actually, too, we were
1: too busy cooking food,
2: cooking, food, yeah, <laughs> well, cooking food. Um, but but I think there's also like people get really attached to their point of sale. But, um, you know, they want to keep it around for like, you know, as long as they can. And again, you know, margins are thin well, yeah, well, you got
1: to admit that there's got to be the worst thing in the world has got to be changing point of sale systems. Right. That's got to be the worst thing in the world.
2: It doesn't have to be right. But I think that's the important part of, you know, kind of what Jimmy you're alluding to is. You know i think the staff again the opposite of true i think we're, there's more of a demand model for tech by our staff as opposed to less right i mean you know a, a micros terminal and a micros ui might make sense to us but it doesn't make sense to you know the current generation um and so you know i think it's uh you know the caveat of technology is that it needs to work and i think it needs to make sense and i think that's where you go back to that connected restaurant because if it's not connected. You know, for employees coming into work today, it just doesn't make sense. And so, you know, going back kind of full circle to Danny's book, you know, I think it, it goes back to a basic and a cliche, but communication is key. Um, and as we're starting to look at all this transformation and, and significant change that we're making, I found a quote in his book the other day that, you know, I've probably kind of recited 20 times in the last week is that, you know, poor communication is generally not a matter of miscommunication, but more often it involves taking away people's feeling of control change works when people believe it's happening for them, not to them. Right. And, and I think that's the big thing. And you go back to the POS change. Yes. Painful. Nobody like, there's not an easy POS because it's changed, but we often forget to tell people why we're doing something and just focus on the what. And so I think in this world of technology, again, if it makes sense, it seems logical and we continue to reiterate the why not just the what like it's going to greatly improve the you know the transformation journey
1: that's incredibly interesting going back to the the, uh, the connected restaurant you recently released an ebook that got a lot of attention table for 10 highlighting 10 restaurant technologies helping operators thrive in an era of uncertainty you hit on a lot of topics and the hot topics like delivery uh, hr and 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 uh, and marketing and feedback and we'll we're going to share with all our listeners the the ebook uh, a link to, uh, to to check it out because it's really incredible. But uh, can you give us a little idea of how you came up with the the categories and the companies of, of for table for ten? Like, what were you thinking, and and what makes those so important? And as as like kind of the because there's so many. I mean, we put together a list of what the technology verticals in in hospitality right now, and I think our list is like something like there's. 35 verticals now. That's a lot. Now you pick the top ten. How would you come up with the ten that you think are the most important and what made you know, give us a little background on that?
2: Yeah. And you know, I have to give credit uh to our, you know, our friend Zach at ovation for, for the idea of the book. But I think love it that came guy. Out amazing like unbelievable. Uh probably, you know, just love talking to him all the time. He just makes you feel so great every time you talk to him and his passion yeah. is just transcends across everything he does. But uh, you know, so we started talking about, you know, building a toolkit for, um, restaurants. And, and again, I think you guys took it much bigger and broader with the marketplace. Uh, but, you know, after I left and, and started working with Zach in some small kind of, you know, mid-market restaurant companies, you know, I, I quickly realized that they might not have had the relationships or so let's say the, uh, the clout or the kind of weight of a large brand behind them to get the attention of of partners. Mm -hmm. Or they might not, you know, they don't have necessarily the, the, the breadth and depth of the technical capabilities or the large teams to be able to really drive innovation. And there was really no place to go for people to get kind of, how do you put all these pieces together? And like I said, it's, you know, if you just threw all the systems that you have in a restaurant and you just kind of lay them out, There's so many. And if they're not talking to each other and they're not kind of serving a purpose of, you know, two things when I look at investment in technology is driving top line or improving efficiencies and margins, right? Like it's it's all about profitability, Mm -hmm. either top, you know. And so finding a way to give people a blueprint or a navigation of some of the kind of bigger components of of running a restaurant. And so we really looked at, you know, what are those areas? Mm -hmm. Inventory control labor management, you know, health and safety routines, um, you know, POS, you know, I I talk about it a lot, a lot, you know, POS isn't the brains of the system. It's the heart of the system, right? It's the heart of the tech Mm -hmm. stack of moving data in and out so that you can get the visibility that you need to really, you know, be able to make those, you know, actionable uh, decisions. Um, And, and, and so it was really kind of focusing on those 10 core and, and helping, kind of spark the conversation to be able to have people have a resource to go and and start to kind of figure out how to kind of navigate through this. Um, And then I also looked at it, I thought it was a really great opportunity for for tech leaders to share their perspectives, especially during this kind of crazy pandemic that we were going with. Um, You know, the intent was never to endorse a product, but rather, you know, really find the thought leaders and who were willing to share their perspective. Um, And you know, the, the most refreshing part I got out of the experience was the change in mindset of the leaders that you see out there of really starting to kind of build this kind of drive for collaboration and cooperation amongst, amongst the, uh, the tech leaders out there and amongst all these different components of the tech stack. Again, nowhere near what you guys are delivering with the marketplace, but it was a start.
0: I love Shati. I love how how Kelly's staying classy. No endorsements. Yeah. You know, keep it at high level. We uh, keep, keep it keep it professional. Yeah, we the, uh, the marketplace vlog uh, was great. The marketplace <laughs> was great. This this segment sponsored by Ovation. Anyway, um, we'll keep throwing it in there. Listen, um, I also want to talk about data because we think the the data uh, side of of the industry is is critically important. Uh, we think the value is 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 Im- immeasurable as it represents consumer preference uh, consumer preferences, which we think is is very important. But well, we can all agree that, that restaurant owner operators didn't get into the business um, to be data you know analysts or, or, or to be in the data management business. So what are your thoughts on how operators can drive better efficiencies and improvements in their business through data and how that drives a better guest experience? So we know the data is important. We also know the operators are not the data experts. So how do we marry these two things, operators driving efficiencies, improving business through data?
2: Yeah, and I think it's, uh, it's interesting, because I think, you know, cash, cash will always be king, right? But I think data and information is a close second, because it's going to drive more cash, right? And just in, in putting it in those terms. But you know, we live in this world of kind of information overload. Right. Uh, but it's all just noise, if you can't make sense of it, uh, and really make decisions, you know, as part of it. And again, you know, probably not as long as I could talk about my career, but, you know, I could go on for for a long time about data because I think there's so many pieces to data that we don't think about. And and the first and foremost is data and content management, right? And the complexities of off-premise dining and the omni-channel world, you know, I mean, you have to be a mad scientist to be able to, you know, if you don't have, again, going back to the connected restaurant, if things aren't talking to each other, you know, you've got three different, you know, delivery providers and your core menu, and you're trying to update menus and images and pricing against different platforms. And and really, it's crazy and insane, right? Um, but if you don't get it right, it has huge implications on the integrity of the data that you're reporting on the backside, mm-hmm. right? And so when I look at it, first, you got to get the content, you got to get the, you know, data governance right to make sure that you have standards and you know we went through this huge transformation at at burger king when i first got there you know we had in in north america we had 50 different point of sale systems Uh, and you know a coke was a whopper was a you know something else in another restaurant and we had to go through this you know grueling exercise of creating data standards so that we could make sure that we were reporting accurate data, so people could make you know decisions based on you know data that they trusted and that was accurate. And so, mm-hmm. getting that part right, the part that I think we haven't really kind of tapped into, obviously having robust data and analytics and being able to you know kind of mine data and see data, again all great stuff. You know, not everybody's going to have a data scientist to be able to do that. Um, but it's starting to find partners who can serve up information, kind of weed out all that noise and give you actions that you can go do something with. And I think that's the biggest mistake of people just like to say, give me all the data so I can explore. Managers don't have time for that. What are the th- key things that are going to drive your business? Right. And then being able to, you know, are you is your, you know, what's your you know, actual versus theoretical? Where are you missing? And where do I go find what I need to do to drive those improvements? The other part that I think is untapped that you're going to start to see become, you know, more kind of into small mid-sized market level restaurants is a solid forecast. Right. Uh, you know, I'm sure you guys have managers that have been writing a schedule forever and they know what they believe they know what their business is and that's what they base their schedules on. And so you have inefficiencies of not having the right people at the right time or, you know, you're not getting the right product. And there's so many advances in in forecasting and analytics that machine learning should be driving that forecast and then feeding, again, connected restaurant, feeding your labor scheduler to to generate the most optimized and let let the technology do the most of the science. And then a part of it is the art of the managers. Right. Putting on the finishing touches. Um, And so I think there's a huge opportunity with forecasting. And then, you know, certainly last not but not least, as you, you talked about it, is really about robust, you know, customer anal- analytics. At USG, at USHG, we call it collecting the dots to connect the dots, right? And, and it's really about CRM and, and engaging that dialogue and that one-to-one conversation. And it, knowing your customer empowers restaurant teams to deliver those more memorable experiences, um, whether it's at a table or a drive-through or a pickup window. Uh, you know, Jimmy, I'm sure you've looked at this, but I mean... Look at what the investment McDonald's made in Dynamic Yield. What, three hundred million a couple years, you know, a yep, couple of years yep. ago for a personalized. I, I heard.
1: I heard now they want to sell a big chunk.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and Yum acquired an AI company this week um, yep. to really help them, uh, you know, understand customer insights and behaviors better. And so mm-hmm. it just shows you the power of data and how companies, you know, are going to start looking at making quantum leaps in analytics to, you know, really drive growth. Uh, and so. Really starting to focus on how you understand your customer and building out your robust CRM, I think, is the differentiator today. You know, and without connecting these dots, you know, how are we going to know if Shotzi doesn't like anybody to pour his water and wine when he's in a restaurant? You know, I mean, those are so true. That's
1: that right there, man. Thank you
0: for bringing that up. You know, I don't like anyone pouring my water.
2: Exactly.
0: (laughs) By the way, Shatsy, just between you and me, don't tell Kelly, that that collecting the dots to connect the dots is gold. We should use that. Oh, I, re- just I make wrote it down. Just, I wrote it down. Just, just – we're, we're just going to adopt that one. That's a good one for us. And make also, like thing, the POS
1: baby. is the heart, not the brains. I wrote that down. I'm not. I'm going to footnote her, though.
0: We're bringing Kelly yeah. back in now.
2: <laughs> I, I, think, I think collecting the dots to connect the dots is in Danny's book,
0: oh, Jimmy, right. so you, oh, you,
2: might, get, you right. might get yourself in trouble. That'd, that'd
0: be plagiarism, all Jimmy. Right, you can't mind, do that. All right. Right, never mind. Drop that.
1: Yeah, that. listen, we are firm believers in the data, and uh, I love it. It's, it's really, it's incredible. And uh, Jimmy is a data scientist, so he knows what he's doing with respect to that. You know, one of the questions I always like to ask our guests, uh, especially guests who are fellow operators, actually the only time I ask this question if you were a fellow operator is um, what are the kind of things that right now, what keeps you up at night when it comes to operations?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, first in the literal sense that keeps me up is my two five-pound dogs that seem to have mastered taking up an entire king-size bed. Uh, you know, the other day, my husband's, my husband's head was on the nightstand. Yeah, you know? yeah, and I'm like, yeah. what Like, what are you doing? Uh, no, but seriously, though, you know, I think operating a restaurant is, is if not the hardest job, right, I ever had. Uh, I can't ever remember running a shift that you walked in and it didn't really go the way you thought it was going to go. Whether somebody's not showing up, you know, something, you know, had Applebee's a ketchup bottle explode over somebody's blue leisure leisure suit, which was really hard to keep a straight face when I was handing him his dry cleaning ticket because I thought right. you know a a, a suit replacement might have been more appropriate. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not clean it, but uh,
2: yeah. Exactly. Yeah, just maybe just replace it, yeah. right? And so, I, you know, having that ops experience and kind of translating it now to put my tech hat on, what keeps me up about at night is less about what we did and more about like what could be done, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's that excitement and passion about how do we continue to elevate that experience through technology and most, and obviously, most importantly for our staff. We're about solving problems, right? And thinking of new ways to innovate keeps me up because there's so much potential. Um, you know things are going to break. We all know that tech's not perfect, and it's and it's never going to be because if it's perfect, you're not innovating and evolving. Um, but you know what keeps me up is you know causing people friction and not allowing people to a have a, a great experience in the restaurant or, or our teams not being able to kind of deliver that experience. You know, in the end of the day, tech needs to be invisible, not invasive. Right? You need to be able to walk up to it and turn it. Turn on Like you're going to turn on a light switch or a faucet and it needs to work, right? And so, you know, I always tell my team it's it's that easy, but it's that hard at the same time. And so figuring out how we can con- continue to drive those improvements is, uh, it keeps me up at night because I get excited about what we're doing and where the industry is going.
0: That's great, and thank you. Um, by the way, in the category of TMI, what keeps me up at night is uh, Shatsy has has not learned anything about boundaries, so his uh, he's blowing up my phone <laughs> at all hours of the day and night. So we're working on that. Um, you know, earlier in our podcast, you talked a little bit about how employees are embracing tech, but here's some food for thought uh, pun intended. How about how technology companies are embracing each other? We at Brandon are always encouraging you know collaboration and community. Uh, among, among the tech companies we work with. We, we actually subscribe to the theory that it takes a village. And we really believe that you know, cooperation and, and community uh, are not just the right way to, to operate, um, but create great value among the participants. But what are your thoughts on how tech operators could work closer together to benefit operators?
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, highlighted a little bit about the ebook, right. And what, what, you know, the refreshing kind of outcome of that was is really start to see this kind of shifted mindset about all these, you know, kind of newer players in the space. Um, But, you know, really continuing to build platforms with open APIs. And it's again, as simple as that, to be able to deliver on this connected experience, you know, it's, It's just not acceptable for platforms or partners not to play together anymore, right? You just, it just doesn't work that way. And I think you're starting to see that shift. The tech companies that, you know, inhibit innovation, don't kind of open up their systems, not willing to share data, I think they're going to become irrelevant. You know, I actually had someone without naming any names, you know, keeping, keeping it classy again, that told me that I couldn't have access to our data. Right, it just wasn't technically possible. Like in today's world, pretty much everything's technically feasible. Uh, you know, if you can't do it because there's some sort of limitation, then let's have that discussion. But you know, those aren't the partners that you want in your corner. Just like if you have a weak team, you know, if you have, if with your teams, if you have a weak link, you need to replace it. And and being able to work with people who want to see each other succeed and build a better experience for with the operators in mind. Obviously, everybody's in it to make money, but I think. That's the kind of key of the future of where tech is going. And I think you're saying, you know, I mean, it's great to see all the people that are, you know, joining up on the, on the marketplace. There's my plug again, uh, because those are the people you want to do business with. Right. I think whether it's in a restaurant or whether it's in tech, we want to do a p- business with people that have our best interests in the heart as well, too. And, and so finding those right partners are important. And I, I think we've seen that coming out of especially out of this um, out of the pandemic.
1: That's incredible. You know before we close out our Q& A, Kelly, I want to talk a little bit about a partnership between uh, Union Square Hospitality Group and Rethink Foods. Rethink is one of those amazing uh, charitable organizations founded uh, during the pandemic, and it continues to feed uh, communities and support local businesses around the country. But Rethink has been able to invest 10 million dollars into 40 independent restaurants and provide over two and a half million meals for individuals with food insecurity. I mean, that's just incredible. I know that you guys and the company and Union Square Hospitality, you know, got on board with this immediately. And I believe you guys turned uh, three or four of your locations into commissary kitchens and you were able to distribute thousands of meals to people that really were in need during a very difficult time that uh, that the whole country went through can you share a little bit more about this and how you got involved and and where this is going now and where do you think it's going to end up is this something that will 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 continue um you know when the pandemic is long gone and this is a new a new norm or is this just a a short lived charitable organization do you think
2: No, I'm happy to. And so, yeah, last summer, you know, we partnered with Rethink and Brookfield, you know, properties to transform our kitchens at MARTA, Intersect by Lexus, and Union Square events into commissary kitchens. Um, And they cooked over 100,000 meals for food insecure families across the South Bronx. Not only does this partnership, you know, it helped feed our New York community, but it allowed us to rehire people back, right? And so, you know, we believe Rethink is doing amazing work to combat, you know, the food insecurities. Um, and support restaurants, you know, while doing so. And, and so, you know, it's something that, you know, we're going to continue to look at ways to partner and we're, you know, we're just honored to be a part of that. And, you know, listeners can donate by going to rethinkfood.org. Um, it's a great organization.
0: Incredible. Thank you for sharing all that Kelly. Um, And we'll talk a little, a little bit more about rethink at the end of the, uh, the end of today's show. Um. Shifting gears a little bit, uh, it turns out that while we started this podcast to talk with other people, um, and we enjoy asking the questions, we've learned along the way that some of our guests also have questions for us. So, new for season three, and uh, a big shout out and compliments to our producer, uh, Julie Zucker, uh, we introduce our newest segment called Talking Back. Uh, We offer guests the opportunity uh, and the chance to ask us anything, nothing's off the table. Kelly, the microphone is yours.
2: Yeah. So I mean, I think I think one thing is, you know, you guys have, you know, amassed an impressive portfolio of tech companies uh, on the investment side. And, and Jimmy, I know the finance guy, you're always looking at the financial upside. But is there anything that you would share, especially for people listening out there or new startups? Like what's that what's that kind of intangible aspect you look for when deciding to make an investment?
0: Oh, good question. Well, Jimmy looks for a good deal. Oh, oh, no, no, Chad, am, am I taking this question or do you want it, sir? No, Jimmy, it's all you. Please. Okay. All right. Actually, um, no, I, I think it's a great question. And we pride ourselves on, on really being direct and, and unfiltered um, and, and of course, professional and respectful. So here's the secret sauce. Our first rule of investing in this space is we say it, uh, the company we're, we're exploring an opportunity with has to be hospitality centric which we define as being an ally to the owner and the operators. We we know there are companies that are trying to fit themselves in between uh, the operators and their guests. That is something we think of our investment platform from an operator's perspective. Therefore we think is what is most important is working with companies that themselves are going to be allies to the industry, allies to the owners and operators. Help these stores, restaurants, hotels, any venue that has F&B. Help them improve their efficiencies, their guest experience, their own profitability through tech and innovation. So that simple rule governs everything we do because if it's not good for the owner operator, um, we then will just pass because we don't want people to go directly to the guest or the customer without actually respecting the fact that we've got to build and create value for the owners and operators. That's our simple rule and that's how we look at it. So I may be finance guy, but thanks to Shatz and our army of subject matter experts who are themselves owners and operators, our first screening of any tech or innovation is: Do they think it's good for the operators? And if they pass that screen, then we move into the financial diligence and the legal, you know, diligence and the tech diligence, and we run our process. But it all starts with the experts who are the guys who the people who are in these stores. So that's it. And hey how, Jimmy, that, and like, yeah, sorry, I go ahead.
2: Sorry, Shatsy, I was going to say with with any team, you know, obviously leadership's important. How much how much stock do you put in the actual CEO? I mean, obviously you've made some I've met a lot of your CEOs and they're fantastic people, salt of the earth.
0: Yeah. No, a great, a great question. And and Jeff, did, did we permit Kelly to ask two questions? Did we say that was okay? No. question. Uh, no, it was one it, question. Was one question, question. She's really
1: taking I was about to go to
0: my question. No, yeah, really right it's now. great. We're work we're working towards cutting out your next segment, Chet, which is great. No, actually, <laughs> Kelly, I love that question. I love that question. And what I would say is Given that we are on the early stage side of investing, uh, we say we're seed stage investors, which we define as, there needs to be a minimal viable product. We need to be able to bring these products into our stores. But then going to your question, the CEO, is incredibly important. And I, I continue to see the the weighting we put on the type of person we're investing in just continues to scale. If there were simply 10 factoids that we looked at, and let's pretend there were 10, it is not an equal weighting where the CEO, uh, he or she gets, you know, 10% allocation. It is substantially more than that. And what we have found is that even if there are mistakes and there will be mistakes and even if there are challenges and headwinds, which there will be, it is that kind of the, the it's the CEO and the relationship that that I hope that we are we're effectuating with these with these folks and we'll work through it. So I, I can't put a number on it. I can only tell you that it is it, it continues to increase. And I will tell you that discomfort with a CEO, no matter how much we love a product, is a deal killer for us. If we can't get, if we, it doesn't matter how much we love the tech, if we don't see, if we don't have an alignment with the CEO and his or her uh, C-suite, um, but particularly the CEO, we will just respectfully pass. So a great question. Yeah, Jimmy, I was
1: just going to say, I was just going to say when Kelly asked the question how important it was, I was just going to say very important. Oh, <laughs> you, do, you, you like took a long way of doing
0: With would, would that have been a satisfactory, address very, I guess we could have done that very. All right. yeah, yeah, that's what all he's going right. to say. It's very, very important. important. All, right. all right, listen, let me just jump
1: on real quick because you know something, I think we've got a guest that is so important to ask this question to. Kelly, with all the tech out there and everything you're seeing, if you had to give one recommendation to an operator, owner-operator today, what would be your top choice of tech That they have to have the most important piece of the puzzle right now you have to have in your tech stack
2: Hmm. robust analytics
0: robust analytics
2: i mean i think all the tools are important but the differentiator is is creating those actionable insights to really drive your decisions right if you're if you're making decisions on gut I think that's
1: the most important one. Like like making your schedule based on just the weather forecast.
2: Exactly. Or going ah, last week it was like this, and then I think things are right. evolving <laughs> and changing.
1: Yes. Well, that's what that's mostly what we do. We usually do last year on this day, we yep. did this, so let's schedule that.
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. No, you're 100% right. I like it. Good answer. I like. I like. I like the answer. And we're, we're gonna have a lot, a lot to talk about. Lots of. Yeah. But we agree that's a very important uh, area. Um, I want to jump into our crystal ball moment. It is the opportunity where we give our guests. We ask our guests to put on their Cress or Miss Cleo hats uh, and predict the future. How do you see restaurants and dining two years from now in relation to hospitality and tech? Two years out, dining. Relation to
2: hospitality and tech, thriving and innovating. You know, I, I think there's pent up demand to get back into restaurants, into sports, into concerts. You know, traveling. Um, you know, I think we caught a glimpse of you know how much people want to get out and dine <laughs> yeah. and outdoor dining. You know, last last fall. Yep. Uh, in terms in terms of tech, uh, in the industry, off is here to stay. Uh, I think customers will continue to want to choose not how they order, but how they interact with restaurants, uh, which I think is going to, you know, kind of spark new innovations across, you know, this kind of contactless experience that we talk about. You know, I think you're going to see leaps and in payment innovations. You know, let's hope QR codes are not kind of the be all to end all. Uh, they've had an amazing resurgence, but, you know, I think there's some technology that will come to kind of help even simplify that process. And then again, I go back to what we were talking about—data—and and really focusing on, you know, ways to, to leverage, you know, data to drive dynamic, personalized content. You know, for QSRs, it's going to be the drive-through. Um, you're going to see AI taking over, you know, ordering capabilities in the, in, you know, uh, and kind of infused into the restaurant stacks there. And you know, I think crystal ball. I think you're going to see a convergence of POS and online ordering systems to really start to drive simplification across the entire stack. Um, And I think that's, as we start to look at ways of this kind of connectivity, things are gonna get simpler. So I think there's a a really optimistic future ahead of us and and a really exciting one.
1: I agree. I'm waiting to go to a restaurant and sit down and they just bring me food because they know that's what I wanted to
2: eat. Yeah, exactly.
1: I don't have to look at anything. They're like, here you go. I'm like, how did you know I wanted chicken tonight? (laughs) They're like, we know everything about you, Mr. Schatzberg. And here's your chicken and your wine. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a little what I'm creepy. That's what I'm waiting for. It's going to be like, here's your salmon. Right. I didn't even speak to anybody. Hey, we know this is what you wanted.
2: But, that's but, where I but, think it's
1: headed. No.
2: But knowing what kind of, what, knowing what kind of bourbon you like, and bringing it to you before you order it, I think that. That's what's that, going to happen. That's, it's that's happening. It's I'm it's telling done. you. Yep. Yeah. But I think that goes to choice.
1: And they already know what I they know what I want. It's amazing. I go to my I go to the Upper East Side, I go to an Italian restaurant, I sit down, they bring me my drink. you you go to the same two restaurants.
0: Done. Trust me, you're already there. They already
1: know. Very easy. I think that that <laughs> restaurant is old school, but you know what? It's new. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, listen, let me go to the branded quick fire because we're gonna run out of time here. Uh, Kelly, I'm gonna ask you five lightning round questions. Don't think too hard. Just give me whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? This is the best segment. Everyone loves this. Got it. Ready. All right, here we go. If you were to choose one actress to play you in a movie or a TV show, who would it be?
2: Jodie Foster.
1: Jodie Foster. Where are you getting dinner from tonight? Shake Shack. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Right into the Shake Shack, huh? What is your favorite food city in the world?
2: Oh, New York, of course.
1: Nice. When travel resumes to complete normalcy, where is the first place you want to go? Italy. Oh, me too. Jimmy, Jimmy. Me too. Yeah. If you were to partner with either Jimmy or I to be your teammate for the game of Pictionary, who
2: would you choose? I have to go with Shotzi because I think Jimmy will take too long to try and figure it out. Oh, Oh, Jimbo, look at that. You
1: see? Somebody finally recognizes
2: Dead. I gotta say, I'm. I'm actually.
0: I I agree with Kelly. I'm good with that. I, I as I saw that question coming, I said, you know what? I think this is one Shatzi's gonna win. I'm not sure. I needed Kelly to give me a dig that I would take too long to figure. Too out. Long. I, That's what I mean. I don't know Shatsy what the, I don't know where the dig came from. I, it's like, how about just pick Shatzi, Jimmy? I'm sorry, I she's a Shatzi. It's I choose Shatzi because Jimmy, you take too long, and you you're and you're right, and long. you're right. Um. So I also resemble that remark. Listen, Kelly. Uh, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, uh, on the on the hangout, um, we we it's great to have you on. It's great to hear your insights, and and we really appreciate the hard work uh, you and your team do uh, at supporting the, uh, the industry, not just during this time, which has truly uh, been a most difficult one uh, for our industry, but always. Um, and if you want to get in touch with Kelly directly, uh, you can email us at podcast at hey, Jimmy, I have Kelly's cell phone number right here. Yeah, we, yeah. Don't, do, we don't we don't <laughs> do that anymore. We, yeah that was that was that was that was a, that was a season one mistake. Now wouldn't that be easier just to give her cell phone out? Not for Kelly. Um, so oh, uh, so right. email us at podcast at brandedstrategic.com, and we'd be happy to make the introduction. Uh, and make sure you also check back uh, on the homepage of this podcast. We've included links so um, you can download Kelly's ebook, as well as how you can participate or donate to Rethink Food. Uh, it is a great group uh, that we have branded, um, are supporting, and we'd like uh, our listeners to give it a look as well.
1: And what about the offer that Kelly made that she would give $100 Shake Shack gift cards out to anybody listening Um, to that. My connection's breaking up. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The $100 gift cards (laughs) to anyone (laughs) listening is
0: not true from Shake Shack? Yeah, uh, it is true, uh, Shazie, but we're going to give out your personal credit card number and, and they could use that at the Shack. And, um, and enjoy themselves fully. And that'd be great. Um, check back with us on our homepage. We'll, we'll show you Chachi's credit card. Uh, no, to our listeners, um, uh, we really do want to thank you for taking the time uh, to tune in with us. We know there are literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there uh, and we appreciate that you choose to hang out with us. Uh, please join us the next time as we welcome our friend and our partner, Mr. John Ulan. John is the chairman and CEO of Vite. It is the cooler water cooler and and john's an old friend of yours right John is an old friend of mine back from our respective financial days or days in, I guess, our financial firms. And we've uh, joined forces again now in the hospitality space. John and his team have created an awesome. Uh, so is everyone that was in finance now jumping to the hospitality bandwagon? Is that what's happening now, Jimmy? Shats, Shats, you and Kelly were trendsetters. You were already in the cool space. <laughs> us us Wall Street guys are now just jumping in now. We're coming exactly. in. We're coming in now. I think it's Goldman yes. Sachs is like taking Olo public and, and toast. I mean, what happened is hospitality cool now we just want to hang out with the cool kids uh oh. guys like john right. and i are we'll coming to join you and kelly um right. but anyway if you haven't uh, done so already please do subscribe to the podcast you don't miss out on the exciting guests coming up better yet please invite a friend to hang out with us uh the next time so until then big shout out to kelly big thank you um and we wish you all well cheers my boy shatsy uh
1: thanks everybody from the restaurant guy aka shatsy thanks for uh, joining us in the hospitality hangout and
0: thanks to our guest thanks everybody Cheers.